So um, that's our agenda. Anybody have any questions about the schedule for this evening? Okay. <clears throat> so um, I also have distributed the um, copy of the raw notes from last meeting, which you should have in front of you here. And uh, this has all the, the items and ideas that we captured on flip chart paper at the last meeting. And all of these will be uploaded as well onto the uh, community engagement portal on the city's website so that everyone will have access to those. But I wanna just um, have you look through this real quick. And I wanna talk a little bit about the guidelines that we produced for our discussion purposes. And then we'll use that as a way to also talk about guidelines that we need to establish for the community conversations on July 10th. So in the, the raw notes, you'll see that um, we generated, or you all generated, I should say, a list of guidelines that we need to establish to work effectively together. Um, so I'm just gonna read through these and then we'll do a modified version of this at the community conversation. But, um, and actually rather than me read these, let me ask for one of you to walk us through that since we, Whose guidelines are these? <laughs> yes, exactly. They're not they're not mine. Okay, would someone offer to read through that first set, please? I will. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Number one, listen to all comments. Do not interrupt. Number two, respect everyone and the perspective background they bring. Number three, encourage succinctness, efficiency. And frankly, I don't know how you do one and three at the same time. But uh, number four is we we said facts versus misinformation, and I'm not sure how to interpret that uh, as far as how you handle that. And five, listen in a way to understand others' perspectives. Okay. Anyone have any questions on that first set or any other than mine? Yeah. Say it again. Or ask it again. Well. <clears throat> I don't know how you do both one and three at the same time. Yeah. It, so how do you listen to all comments and not interrupt and encourage succinctness and efficiency? Um, so that, that's actually a good question. So in the spirit of engaging discussion, it's important that we create space and allow people to give input and, um, and say what's important to them. And everyone has valuable contributions. And so we need to make sure that we always respect that. At the same time, we want people to stay on message or on, on track. And so part of that is how we facilitate those discussions. So if we need to kind of redirect. But um, in, in this setting, I think we've already modeled a um, skill in doing that. Um, you all have been um, able to do that well. I think as we get into our discussion about how we're planning the community conversations, that can sometimes present a greater challenge where people have a lot to say. They feel very passionate about something and they want to talk. And we need to hear that. We need to give them space and the opportunity to do that. But then how do you set some limits so that someone doesn't talk for 15 minutes at a time? And so that's part of what we'll talk about is how do we frame the questions and then how do we facilitate that discussion so we can get I can wait till we get to that later on. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, yes, because there's definitely some some techniques and some uh, strategies that we'll use to 
to um, ensure that we're able to balance that. Okay, does that yeah. answer your question there? And the same with number four, facts with misinformation. Yeah, so the the guideline that was listed here, and we didn't really expand on that. I just captured it in the notes as it was written. But the facts versus misinformation. Yeah, so it says facts versus misinformation. Can you all expand on that? Or I don't know who who identified that. But well, I think it's I think it's in a way self-explanatory because um, you know we're we're in a work group and we are trying to ensure some some shape and form of transparency with each other and in the community. Um, but I think when we have this dialogue, make sure that we're relaying information to each other that, that we know for a fact of that and not putting anything out there that could be uncertainty to bring um, unnecessary emotions to kind of, you know, the audience, the community or each other, especially if we know it's not factual, you know, whether that's about our police or if it's about our policies or how we do things. Um, you know, I think it's just that person misinformation. Okay. Yeah. Kind of how I viewed it. Um, I think that the, another member who's not here could have maybe, I think it came from her mm -hmm. list of notes. So I don't want to speak for her. Um, okay. Maybe when she gets here, she can expand on it more. Okay. All right. But that, that's helpful. Um, does anyone else have anything to add or any other questions on that? A um, couple of things that, I'll note from that is as we began to look at resource documents to inform our deliberations and our um, and ultimately draft recommendations, we want to be mindful of having valid sources. Um, and so we need to scrutinize that. Um, we'll also entertain any number of ideas that will come either from the 12 of you or from the community at large. And so we just want to be mindful of making sure that we're addressing that with factual information and that we can get clarifying information as needed. If that's from the police department, if that's from the, the CPRB um, or whatever related sources related to community oversight. So, um, so I think that's a really important guideline to inform our work. Okay, um, thank you for that. Will um, someone read the other set of guidelines that next set from the discussion notes? Number one, uh, proper contacts, refocus, stay on track, mutual respect, mutual recognition, mutual perspectives, safety, space to speak without intimidation or speaking over, listen to the point, not the package, no respectability, politics. Um, develop and define a goal through listening. Avoid the trap of politics, power play, avoid the saboteur, and don't assume someone knows your whatever, whatever it is. Okay, thank thank you. So um, let's let's. Uh, what questions do you have about that? What do we need to clarify so that we're all on the same page with that? What I'm, what I'm concerned about. Um, from a community perspective is even though you mentioned no disrespect or uh, making sure we have mutual uh, recognition and mutual perspectives, what I'm leery about, community is community. 
And I am a representative of the community. And I will tell you, when you're sitting in an open forum some of the time and you're a little bit elevated, um, knowing what the work could be and what is to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that we as a committee should take the hit for that. I think expect expectation setting is gonna be crucial. And that was what I was gonna to say to the comment earlier. I think we can set it up in a way that we can elicit a specific response and then just give space for the people that have whatever kind of negative situation that they would like to be heard. Because ultimately, when we have folks that have had negative experiences, that's part of what this process is about, allowing them the space to do it. So we should anticipate that there are gonna be some moments that might be just uncomfortable for anyone or us all collectively, um, but we're all here because we're committed to this process and to this community. And so I think part of it is expectation setting and expecting people to come as their best self. And that's what we hope for. And no, maybe yeah. maybe they have an off day, or maybe they have and that's a okay. series of off days, and that's okay. That's okay. Those who have served on the community police review board know how um, bad it can get from some people coming, and so you've just got to kind of let that roll off your back. But, but I would anticipate that things could get nasty from some individuals. But we gotta work through that because there could be a grain of truth in something that would otherwise turn us off. And, you know, um, well, you might not know, but as a parent, a lot of um, your interactions with your children um, you don't stoop to the level of the person that's having, in my case, it's a toddler. Well, he was a toddler when he had a very public <laughs> meltdown. Um, we have to also prepare ourselves to model the behavior we want to have seen, um, that we want to see. And so making sure that we're not giving the same energy back if that energy is negative. There's no need for us to interact in a way that could potentially chill the next person's participation. And very important feedback. Um, I'm going to circle back to, to some of that so we can list out some of the things that we want to anticipate. So thank you for those uh, observations and comments. Any other comments or questions on the guidelines that Member Ricks just read for us here? We're good with all those. Okay, well, let me, let me, uh, let's spend a, a few minutes just talking about some of those um, specific to the community conversations, some of those guidelines.
And so as we think about the community conversations and guidelines, as I referenced last meeting, um, in my experience having done these, whenever you're doing a, a working with a group over a, a period of time, um, I generally train facilitators to recommend that you develop those guidelines as a group and the group has ownership over that. And then you revisit them as you meet over the course of time. When you do something like a community conversation, it's typically a, a one-off event or um, you throw open the doors and whoever shows up, that's who you're working with. And you don't have the luxury of necessarily generating the list with the group. You just present something and then ask maybe for some clarifying comments whenever that's appropriate. But otherwise we, we would present something and then we're modeling expectations and we're setting some, um, we're demonstrating those guidelines in the way that we engage, um, as you said. Um, in terms of what we might want to present to the community when they come in that are maybe some more prescriptive type rules, are there anything in spe specifically that you think we need to state up front that will help create the environment in the room, the conditions that will enable us to be successful in what we're trying to do. So what, and what would those be? What would those guidelines look like? Before we get to guidelines, are we going to be providing the community with questions that we'd like for them to think on in advance? Yes, so that's one of the things that um, we'll get to that in our agenda. Okay, so then yes. for my guideline, I would say be prepared. Okay. That could also go towards our succinctness, that if there's an opportunity to think about the questions, draft what you want to say, be prepared, that can invite, um, what did we say? Efficiency and succinctness. I think also too, providing a mission and a vision statement from the Jump Street, why we're here. Okay. Okay, so can you, um, can you say a little bit more about that? And let's talk about what that might look like. Yes, so for every company, every company has a mission statement. Okay, so I'm from Hallmark. I was from Hallmark um, and retired from there, right? So whatever our mission is for this um, committee is we need to make sure we clearly state what that mission is and then what the vision is that we hope to see as we move forward on this committee. So that way, when you're entertaining what who are whoever is in the audience, right? They know exactly where we're coming from as we we put forth um, the information or even preparing for um, the questions to be asked. So purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is so defining our purpose. Goals. <laughs> okay, so so to set us up for success with this, we want to be able to 
articulate the mission and the, the, the vision and the difference between the two. Vision is aspirational. So that's what you aspire to accomplish. And then the mission is what you do to reach that, that aspiration, whatever that is. And so we want to be able to, um, to convey that in a clear way so everyone knows coming in, okay, this is why we're here and this is what we hope to accomplish through this. I think also separating what the working group, and I think that ties into the mission and the vision, but separating the working group from CRPB previous actions um, versus, so that they can really understand what the purpose, the mission is uh, for us to be together so that we can keep um, comments future focused based on previous experience, but that they shouldn't expect resolution of an issue an individual issue to come out of this process, this specific process, that it may be addressed with our new process that we are creating, but not today. I, I guess the long way of saying is that if you had previously submitted something and you had a negative um, feedback or you, you didn't get the intended result, we're not here to do a review of that result we're here to talk about the process that led to the result. So that can help the person stay more focused so that we can be concise and succinct. Mm, okay. um, so again, as far as setting expectations, it's not necessarily um, a saying, oh, 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 that's out of bounds. We're not gonna talk about it, but setting the expectation that please don't use your precious time talking to us, expecting us to respond to a previous situation because that's outside the bounds of what we're able to do in this process at this time. Okay, does anyone, thank you for that. I think that's really helpful uh, context for this. Um, anyone have any questions about, about that idea or the, the need for that and the value for that? I think also just like coming off of that is the idea that I don't think we really have answers. We're not going to provide answers to the, that these guys at these community conversations. We are getting what the community wants at these conversations. So when they ask, what is the solution? The answer is, well, we're getting the solution from the wall. We want to know what your opinions are, your experiences so that we can craft the solution. Um, this is not designed to be when we unveil the grand plan. Um, it is, you know, we're pulling back the curtain ourselves. You know, these are the these are the people behind the the green curtain, so so to speak. That we're trying to figure out what to do, and we want your help. And then to bounce off of your idea, that's all going to come to you because most of the stuff is kind of overviewish. So now it's transforming into it's up to us. If, we're having, um, you know, group facilitation by the table with a few of us here and there. What is that going to look like? How are we setting the context for these members of the community to come in and feel like they have a safe space to talk? Um, given all these new kind of, we need to kind of limit, slim it down a little bit. Um, you know, what are what's our responsibility then? How do we need to set the tone for the people to come in? Because this thing kind of overview us, like they would get an overview of some of this stuff. Um, so where do we kind of, you know, <clears throat> come in as our own facilitator, group facilitation, you know, 
So that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, we don't even know what table we'll be sitting at. We don't, is it gonna be mixed up or how are we gonna organize that, you know? So that's yeah. kind of where I'm coming from. Okay, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that specific set of options um, as well. So, so let me just re um, reflect back what I'm hearing on. So there is some, um, so we wanna be able to articulate this, this vision for what we hope to accomplish that we're recognizing the need to set uh, rules and guidelines that enable that discussion to happen in a constructive way. And then there's this recognition that there are these um, contextual and kind of global uh, questions and, and context for the work. And that at the beginning through the community conversations, we're asking for input, we're inviting in um, so that we can learn what's important to the community, but we're not here to give solutions at this point, nor are we here to necessarily state opinions on things, but rather the community conversation is flipped in the other way to get input. Mm -hmm. And within that, some people in the community have spent weeks, hours, months, years in the weeds of these very issues and are prepared to go into a great deal of detail. And at some point we'll need to be doing that as part of the work group process, because that's what you ultimately need to do to produce a set of informed recommendations. The first community conversation though is more higher level that we're trying to get at some of the broader themes and then we can kind of drill down from there. And so we'll need to manage expectations, I think, around what to expect of this first community conversation so that um, for individuals who are ready to get in the weeds, they know that, that's, that there will be a time and opportunity for that, but it's probably not necessarily gonna be on July 10th. Yes, but, or yes and, uh -huh. we should um, give information as to when those details would be welcomed and in what way. Okay, yeah, we so it's clear that, and, and why is that important? So that, well, first that we don't have a chilling effect, mm -hmm. um, but also so that it's very transparent that the information they have is something that we do want to consider and how they can submit it. Um, we still need a way for the community to reach us that is not these community meetings. And maybe that's been set up behind the scenes, but like there has to be a way because not very few people, if we're being completely honest, can go out on a, on a Monday from six to eight. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not a feasible time for a lot of people. Um, you have to work at eight to five or a nine to five. Anyone who works second shift or third shift, they're not coming to this. Mm -hmm. or they, this is not, yeah. unless they take the day off, which that's asking a lot. Yeah. Like we have to have an opportunity for people who are still concerned about how to still have very valid COVID concerns who have accessibility issues that they can't really get out of the house unless they hire someone to drive them and then take them to this place. Like we need something to be able to reach out to every single person that has access to a computer, which even that is not accessible to everyone, but that's way more people. Uh, our, e our email addresses are set forth online. 
Yes. I've, I've received a couple companies. Yes, but like, are we, is there a, a central repository that those things are going into? Can we respond to people who email us? Okay. Like there are so, people who have addressed concerns about like, I want to like upload documents or show documents. I don't want to retype everything. And that's kind of a question for you and Casey. <laughs> Because yeah. like we're not the tech people here, yeah. we don't have access to that kind of stuff, yeah. and it's so gone unanswered. Me, yeah, so we're we're going to speak specifically to that, like cool. alternatives to the July 10, 6 to 8 p.m. Cool, and then also um, multiple mechanisms for capturing input that might arrive other than in person that might arrive cool. from uh, through one member as opposed to the full group that kind of thing. So. Okay. Um, that's absolutely on our agenda for tonight. So, um, okay, um, I have what I would like to um, ask you to weigh in on then for, for just a few minutes, um, because I want to get through some of the logistics of what we're leading up to, but just um, while we're talking about this here, I want to leverage the brain power in the room. And at your table, I'd like for you to spend a few minutes identifying words or phrases that you would use to begin to represent the vision for what we're looking to accomplish at the community conversation. And um, we're not gonna wordsmith this to death tonight, but I just wanted, while we're talking about it, I want you to play around with what are we really trying to accomplish through this? Because then after this meeting, we're gonna drive all that into our outreach strategy. Um, but take a few minutes to just begin to think about this idea of a vision and a mission, or if you'd rather, a purpose for the community conversation. And just to give you a little bit of context as you think about this, we're inviting the community in. You all are the work group, and you're going to be producing a set of recommendations. And we've created this opportunity to have a community conversation where you're asking for input that will inform your deliberations. Okay, so take a few minutes and talk at your tables and let's see what you come up with. Words or phrases that you would use to articulate what you hope to accomplish through these um, community conversations. Well, you were on my team last time. All right. um, I think I think we kind of tapped into some of that with the I think you two kind of think we're not to mean like we're not talking about the vision just the work no the vision we can make one word you need to have some standing the community conversation we can't work hard on it no 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 sure we all live in and some of us are you are a community member, but that's not your you saying with you. We want more community members. They're the ones that you can use for a See that the system is held accountable. If it needs to be held accountable, be no actions. Like, you know, what are your issues right now? There's so many things. 
what would you have uh, you know, uh, uh, so 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 Are you talking about the meetings or are you talking about the processes and the meetings? I think that should be the the headspace that we're Work like that in what we know too is for the people that can always be in our because that's the Public 
and the statement you're coming here to tell us what you think would be a good idea now then it's ultimately our decision to be like yeah it would be great that it's good like do this but it's just like i'm thinking about it and that's fair and i think these are process questions yes and then they can look into the far ahead in the second the second half of the meeting something I'm kind of on this highlight. I know it's a Give them any advice. I don't know. I, I think you know, there's a way to do the questions of the process. It was the original goal of this first meeting. And I think it should be the goal of this first meeting. But we can move to the point that beyond the scope of our board. So the chief could be making the correct decisions based on the information, but there's no we have some uh, concepts in our mission and some works in our vision. Yeah. 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 But that's the Take a couple more minutes and then I'd like you to just any words or phrases that are um, that you've identified come up here and, and capture them. And that way we've got something to work with after the meeting to pull it all together. So just take a couple more minutes because um, then I want to pivot into some logistics conversations. And then the conversations you're having now are going to inform our discussions around roles that you'll play. And then ultimately what questions we'll be posing. So we've got somebody here. You have somebody that can write a few things that you want to write. Oh, but all the Learn from past. There's the, the last year kind of saying, but basically, mm -hmm. yeah. learn from the past and the current to reimagine the future. Right, but learn what the. Communities experience 
with Yes. In order to manage in that state, we could be broken. And I think also just keeping in mind the mission that the city commission gave us. Yes. Yeah, we know we need to be focused. We gotta stay in our lane. It's again I'm angry and sensory more space and I'll Nothing we want to do gets done. That's true. Can I ask you all to walk us through what you identified there? Yeah, so uh, through our conversations in the group, we kind of boiled it down to these three things after I went on a really long tangent that probably is better for the second uh, community outreach meeting. Um, we would like to see like a system for ensuring accountability as part of the vision and mission statement. Um, we want to have a partnership with transparency and then a uh, few more words than, you know, two or three, but learn from the past and current community experience uh, to reimagine the future because ultimately we are community driven. We want to know what the community's relationship with all of this, the whole thing is so that we can make it better in the future. Okay. Um, and then uh, to harken, we want to harken back to the mission that was given to us by the city commission. Uh, that was part of our, um, I can't think of the term now, but 
Uh, the project charter. The project charter. Yeah. Um, okay. It has some good language in there that okay. I think is good that we can use. Okay, good. So system for ensuring accountability, uh, partnership with transparency. When you say partnership with transparency, meaning um, transparency in the partnership you have with the community. With the community. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And then learn from the past and current community experiences to reimagine the future, right? Which is ultimately what you're doing through your recommendations, right? Mm -hmm. Say this is what we learned. Um, and here's what we're learning from your experience and these sort of recommendations going forward. Okay, very good. Thank you. Okay, we have. We said transparency too. We just didn't write it up here. But uh, wants and we want to know what their wants and needs are based on their community, on the community's experiences. Um, emphasizing that the working group is not the CPRB. Um, what do you want to see? Like, what do you envision for the process or the result? Like, what do you see as working? And uh, learn about your previous complaints. What were the results? How did it go? So maybe not two words. <laughs> <laughs> and learn about your previous complaints, the results meaning about... How did it work? What was your experience? Um, How was the results? Like, did you receive an email, a phone call? Like, what what were the mechanics and did that work for you? Okay. And just to clarify, is that asking about the results of the complaint itself or about the process that you, you the went process through? process that they went through. When, when they filed the complaint. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because that, that's an important distinction. So we're wanting to learn from prior experience so that we can improve the process going forward. Um, we're not asked with looking at the issue that with the specific complaint that's outside of our scope. That's that's not the work. You know, I'd love to hear on this date, I had this experience. I received this notification of who to reach out to. I mm -hmm. did some research myself and I found this email address I submitted my complaint it was an email four paragraphs or whatever and then i received an email in response or whatever and then at the end i received a result and this was the method by which i received it okay so we're getting that um very specific learnings from the experience right but not right. you know not going into detail as right. to what precipitated needing to put that in or um, the conversation details that took place if there was a conversation, just the step-by-step -step logistics of what, what took place. Okay. Um, but not, I'm not trying to re-traumatize anybody or, um, you know, re-adjudicate mm -hmm. the, the issue, which is mm -hmm. to learn from the end user experience, what steps they took, how they were informed about it, how they engaged with the process and then what the final result was, not how they felt of I do care about feelings, but not, but not going into too much detail about, well, I, I interacted with officer so-and-so on this date about this. So okay. not not going into that. Okay. All right. So that really gets at the heart of the process improvement aspect of, of your um, of the work group's tasks. Okay, that's great. 
And then what do you envision for the process and the result? Right. Yeah. So if the end was an email, did, was the email sufficient or would you have preferred a, a written letter or okay. how, how did the process close up and was the process created in a way that was respectful of your situation? Okay. All right. That's great. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. And then what do we have here? Um, walk us through what you identified. So the what, it kind of goes back to the, if you look at the mission statement of the city, it's, it's asking the question of the public, because this is a broad first meeting of what is important. Is it, is it access? Is it what an investigation looks like? Is it uh, the steps of accountability that someone will take or that you can't take? It's the what are the most important things for uh, of this for you and diving down uh, a little bit further, and then I'll let you explain some of the things. And then the the words um, are just kind of what you asked us to do is produce words that might uh, help us fuel a vision statement for the community conversations and um, exploring, navigating, engagement, connection, importance, honesty, transparency, accountability, and trust. Those are just some of the words that um, came to mind when I was thinking about some of the, what I might envision some of these conversations to circle around, you know. Um, so, don't have anything to explain on every single one of them. They're just words that I think about when we engage with the community, what their concerns might be. Um, okay, all right, that's great. This is, this is very helpful. So, um, I want to just note a couple of things. So um, thank you for wading through this because it's like we, we're um, we're trying to be able to, to lay out not only what do we expect from that community conversation, but this is going to give you all some foundational language, some uh, phrases that you might ultimately incorporate into your set of recommendations. So as you begin to think about how you envision whatever entity goes forward or ultimately what improvements you're recommending. Um, the ability to provide this kind of context for those recommendations would be really important. And so um, we're kind of serving two purposes here by going through this. So here's what I'll do. I will take this and as we get into our discussion questions, this is gonna flesh it out even further, but um, part of my homework will be to take this to, to pull in some language. I would love for one or two of you, anybody that really geeks out on vision and mission statements to um, be available to me so I can write something up and kick it to you and you give me some quick feedback before we push it out to the group. Any of you mission vision geeks that would love to do that? Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, what um, what I'd like to do next is just talk about some logistics and, and let's just talk about what the community conversation is going to look like. Okay. So if you um, looking on the agenda here, just want to name a few specific things. So first of all, the in, the these are designed to be in person. And we're going to talk about the need for alternatives to that as well. 
but um, in our proposal, we put forward to have two community conversations. The first being Monday, July 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Carnegie Building. We've already got the space reserved. A second community conversation would be three weeks later on July 31st. The purpose, um, and that was my original version of that, but we're gonna expand on that now with the language you just gave us. But we wanna be really clear with about the purpose and all that we do to promote this. Um, this is hosted by the work group. So let me say a little bit about that. So in my work, I, I do a lot of community conversations, town hall meetings, city council retreats, things like that. And typically the governing body or there's an, there's an entity that hosts it, right? And then the facilitator is a resource in that process. It's, it's somebody you bring, you bring in with that helps make it all happen. But ultimately it's hosted by somebody. So in this case, the community conversation is hosted by all of you. And I'm working for you through this process, but um, the conversation itself is designed to be a series of, of small, uh, small table discussions. And let me just say a little bit about that and just share some experience on, on um, why that approach um, is the preferred way to do this. Um, first of all, when you are in small groups where you have a two hour window and while you have, like in our example here, you have an efficiency when you have three groups all discussing the same thing all at the same time. There's also an intimacy to having just a handful of people at a table. And ultimately that means each person gets more time in that conversation, in that discussion. So you're not having to share an entire room with 50 other people. You're having to share that time and space with only the six or eight people that are at your table. So you get more time individually. It also ensures or guarantees that every single person in the room gets a chance to contribute. So that's conceptually, that's, that's the idea. There are also those of us who are perfectly comfortable sharing our opinions in front of 50 people in a room, but those who are more introverted or just for whatever reasons, um, more comfortable talking in a small group, this enables that as well. Um, so that's um, the, the thinking behind it. However, the challenge that it creates is that you need to have some structure in place within the small tables so that you're efficient, that everybody gets to participate and that there's some kind of facilitation happening. And there's a way to ensure that every comment, every input is captured. And so that's part of what, what we're gonna build out together. So that's the, that's the idea. So imagine you walk into the Carnegie building and there's gonna be a whole set of round tables and we're inviting the community in to pick a seat and, and see wherever you'd like, sit wherever they'd like. Um, to that end, what role you all play, there's some options and things that I wanna throw at you and, and ask you how you want to engage. So I've done these where we had 180 people in the room. The city council wanted to do a community conversation. And the most important thing <laughs> that I needed to convey was that if this is the community's time, then we need to allow the community the opportunity to speak. Not hear from, in that case, the city council members who were hosting the event. 
So I've run events where I've had the governing body present at the event, but they're all seated at one table, you know, somewhere in the room or off in the corner. And their job is just to simply sit there and listen, just take it all in, okay? And that's their role. Um, I've done other events where the host governing body wanted to be a part of the discussion. So I did a project for the uh, Kansas City, Missouri Municipal Court a few years ago. We did a whole series of engagements and the court administrators, the judges, the um, uh, prosecutor, defense attorneys, everybody that was a part of this said, we wanna be able to engage directly with the community. And so we did one where everybody on the steering committee is at one table and listening. We did a couple of others where people are literally seated with the community. So a couple of different ways that we could um, potentially do that is um, generally round tables of about six or seven is kind of the optimal size. So one way we could potentially do this is as hosts, you could um, split up into partners and two of you are at this table. And again, your job is just listen. You know, you're not there to explain or, or represent your opinion on something. It's to listen. But two of you are at this, this table, two of you are at this table, two of you are at this table, so on and so forth. And so um, your role is essentially the same. You're just sitting in a different place. So that's, that's another option for you to consider. Um, another possibility, and, and um, we need to discuss some pros and cons of this, is if two of you are at each of these small tables, but you also have the, the role or responsibility of being a scribe like you've done here. Now, there's some important do's and don'ts re relative to that. Anytime you do engagement, and, um, and this is just, I'm just sharing from my, my experience, and I know some of you have done this for years as well. Um, my experience is that when you use people's words as they express them, and that's what you capture, it tends to invite people in and honors their contributions in a more meaningful way. So when you're a scribe, we want you to capture what folks are saying as they're saying it. Okay, um, people express things in different ways. They have varying comfort levels with sharing in these settings. Um, and they may have different terminology that they use, but what's important is to capture the essence of what they're trying to convey. So if you wanted to play that kind of role, we would just give you some guidelines about how to do that kind of scribed um, function. Um, what to write and what's helpful. Um, and what you'll find is that bias in facilitation or bias in listening sessions is often introduced in very subtle ways where someone will share input. And I work hard to not do this, but I'm sure you've already picked up when I maybe have done this. And it's very easy to bias the exchange by making a comment like, oh, that's great, or I really like that. And so now you've just imprinted your own perspective on what you consider valuable or not. And it might be just a very subtle thing, but the people in the group pick up on that, and then suddenly they start to filter their comments, and either they 
start to shut down because they think that their comment isn't going to be valued by the scribe or the facilitator, or they start to think that there's a right answer. And so then they start to rethink what they were about to say to fit in with what's acceptable. So there's some do's and don'ts there that, that we can kind of talk through. Um, but those are some of the different roles that you can play relative to this. So let me just ask you to um, react to that. So all at one table, off in the corner, just listening, split up in pairs, spread out across the room and listening in pairs, taking turns scribing, capturing ideas. I have a question. Yes. Um, if we don't want to scribe, how do the contributions get recorded? So if, if you all don't want to, we recruit others to do that. So, because um, every every table will need to, to have a scribe. Similarly, if we all sit in the corner, who is listening to the comments? Yeah, so um, the, the advantage of being at the table is you can hear that table really well. <laughs> if you're off in the corner, you can hear comments here and there, from the tables closest to you, you're not going to be able to hear things further away. So that's definitely a trade-off. I think my personal thing is paired off, we listen and we have scribes that are not us. Agreed. And why would they come and talk and not think somebody's listening? And, you know, mm -hmm. we invited you here to talk to us. We're all going to go sit over here at this table and you talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and there's and nothing wrong with just saying thank you when people offer something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just to clarify, too, every single comment that people share is captured. So whether you hear it in the moment or not, it, right. it is captured. But that's that's an important distinction is do you want to be in the mix right, right there and present and hearing it um, and, um, or off to the side and just waiting to read the transcript? Could, could you ask clarifying questions as they talk? So that's the next piece. So if you're at the table, um, we will have specific questions that each table will answer at the same time. Okay, so we'll have this time so that there's 10, 15 minutes allocated to this particular question. Um, in order to make sure you get through every question, you have to have some structure in place. Um, but my, my experience and recommendation is generally let everyone respond initially to the question and get all that captured and then go back and ask follow-up or clarifying questions to do a deeper dive. Um, you all will also know the script for what questions are coming next. So you'll know if we're about to do a follow-up question anyway or to drill down. But that's the nice thing about a community conversation is that you can say, you know, tell me more about that or, or explain this in a little more detail, okay? Um, so, so that's that's the real value in it, and you don't get that when you do like a like a open mic and they just comment and then it's next person, next person. 
That's why conversation, but by design, it's called a conversation because it's meant to do that. Yeah. So uh, one of the best ones that I've been to allow the group, um, the, the group that is listening to move around a little bit and uh, see different different people, different things. So you're not just getting one table's opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so even if it's maybe you switch tables um, after hit, after questions, or you have the group walking around and, they, and you might see something that catches your attention. You can say, hey, tell me about that. People are able to describe it a little bit better. So that way also they're just, it's not, they're not just inter getting introduced to Ian and Andy, like they're getting introduced to the whole group and maybe there's a comfort level there or something that feels like they can follow. Yeah, so, um, so the idea is that you're in pairs, you're split up into groups, but you're not with that same group the entire time. Um, so um, we could do some kind of rotational system, something like that. Absolutely. The one thing I would I would offer up um, my experience is that that works really well if one you communicate up front that that will be part of the process throughout the evening, and secondly that you only rotate once the previous question has been completed and and before you move on to the next question. So that's kind of a clean. In separation. So I'm seeing a lot of nods, but I, I want to just confirm. Um, of those options that I presented, I'm seeing a lot of nods to suggest that maybe you prefer to be in pairs and seated at different tables throughout the room. Yes. Is that yes. Uh, good with that? Okay. Um, now, the number of tables we have is um, dependent upon or contingent upon the number of people who show up. So we'll set up the room and you never know. <laughs> you know, I've done these where like 40 people showed up and we expected 100. And then I've done these where we expected 40 and 150 showed up. So I think if there's more people and we need more tables, as long as we each have a scribe, um, I would be comfortable being at a table without a, another working group member if if we need 12 tables of people, but I would want to have a scribe. Okay. Um, so that was my next question. Yeah. A scribe so, regardless. So, we'll, so we need to have a scribe at each table. Um, if we ended up with a huge turnout and we had enough tables that you could each have your own, are you wanting, are you interested in that or would you prefer to have a partner from this group? I think if there are that many people, I mean, if I'm fine by myself at a table. Um, if there are that many people and you want people heard, you should have more tables and we should go on. Yeah, I'm not sure it needs all of the needs. If there's enough people there, you know, we need to spread out and get conversations going. Anybody else? Okay. And then if you, um, and, and that doesn't have to be hard and fast tonight, um, we can make those adjustments. The only thing I'd ask is only do solo if you want to do solo. <laughs> and, um, and, and either way, let me know what, you know, what the, what the game plan is there according. Um, and the other thing is if you are partnered up, you're there to listen to the community you're not there to talk to each other. So the other, so a couple of things I need to just coach you all on is 
it's going to be super interesting. I mean, people feel strongly, so you're going to hear some really interesting feedback, and that's the whole point. It's probably going to be tempting at some point to turn to your colleague from this group and say, oh, yeah, remember, we need to talk about that in our next meeting, because that's that was really important. Keep the focus on the community. And we'll, you, you have that opportunity every time we meet and right after the meeting to touch base. But just in a moment, you know, stick to that whole other chat. Okay, that's really great. Yes. Well, so I won't be at that first. Um, oh, that's right. And you're I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering, is it videotaped? I don't know that it would have much, okay. so, much value in videotaping. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the other logistics real quick. So I did a site tour with city staff um, uh, about three weeks ago to begin planning this out. Um, how many of you been to the Carnegie building before? Okay, so it's, um, we'll enter off of, um, off of Vermont Street. We'll have everybody coming in and out there. That's an accessible entrance as well. Because I know that, uh, that's important that we need to be mindful of. It's a large space. Um, it is, um, it can see, I don't know, 100, 150 at, at round tables easily. So it's a nice, it's a nice space. We'll have a projector at one end. We are going to record it on Zoom. And we will likely have um, an audio track as well as a camera. But the room is the way the room is set up will likely do like two camera angles. Um, but that's all that we can accommodate. So it will be, it's not the perfect space, but those kinds of discussions, you can't, unless you have probably four cameras at one time, you can't actually capture everything. So what is captured is the entirety of all the discussion then. That's really what drives the day. Will people be getting up and explaining the notes, or is it like we do here, or is it? Um, is that... No, most of the time it's just captured here. So you'll be able to read it, and that's why we also want to make sure we ask the clarifying questions in the moment. So the real value is what you generate um, that's captured in the notes. In terms of sitting back and watching it on video, it's like watching, like right now, we have three conversations going at once. Imagine 12 at once. You know, it just doesn't have as doesn't have that value, but it will be recorded, um, and um, and so you will be able to to revisit that. And then once you see the notes, um, if any of you are not there, we can walk back through them with you and try and provide more context or something if, if necessary. Um, but I think that you'll find that there's enough structure to it, and there's a flow to it that it's fairly easy to follow because of that. And that's why you don't ask these huge open-ended questions and then just turn people loose to talk for 20 minutes at a time, which isn't very efficient. Okay, a um, couple other things. We're gonna feed people. Um, I just estimated, typically we open the doors early so there's food, people can get settled in. They get to pick their seat wherever they wanna sit. Um, just a few things I'm anticipating. Um, some people will not want to sit where any of you police officers are seated. They're just not going to want to sit next to you. And you, you get a lot of people. You know, that's part of the deal. So, um, so most likely we'll probably have you all 
pick your seats first so that the community as they come in they can kind of choose accordingly. So so I have a question on yeah. that. How would I know? Who's only reason I know who's all, I mean I know oh, oh right. I know the um, policeman here now, but I really know. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's a good question. How would you, what do you wear when you go to that? I think we wear what we're here. Is it important to identify as a police officer in that moment? Are we going to have name tags, name tents made up? So for, um, that, that's one of my questions for you all. Do you want to have name tags for everybody? Or do you want to have like a name badge to identify work group members? Work group members at the very least. And where okay. you come from on the work group. And what, okay, so right. so that's your identifier. I don't know. So I think it'd be really interesting if nobody could tell who the police officer was. I think the police should be identified. Mm -hmm. People should not be traumatized in the moment that if they've had a bad experience with an officer, you sit down and you think, oh, look at this nice person I'm sitting next to. And then you find out they're a they're cop. It could give someone a panic attack. Oh, come on. Sorry, I just broke the rule. Uh, it's very possible. Or, I, I mean, I think not to call our police out, but like it's a, a concern that I think we should just be like, just say you're from the you're from the police on our name tag. I would say Harrison Baker, community member. And then, and the and then, Rich Lockhart, Lawrence Police Department. And then they're going to feel free to talk not knowing? Or, I mean, they're going to... They then know where to sit I, if they I want have, to not sit next to a police officer. I have had people express discomfort with the idea of being invited in to give feedback related to some broad issues relative to the police department and having to say that in the presence of a police officer. I, I haven't gotten that feedback. So I think that that, I think you're you're raising a, 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 a real concern. I don't know how extensive that is, but I think it's a real concern, so. I think that goes to our earlier logistics about switching tables. Maybe we just stay at the table we're at instead of moving around. And let them switch. The same questions for every table. I think that might have been something I missed when I was. The questions would be the same for each table. We were saying that um, we'll have two people if if space allows for two members per table and describe. Uh, but if we need more tables, it would it could go down to one. But with your point, if we're wearing a name tag, um, there was an idea that after a question is finished, that the working group members switch tables. So that you could have multiple, um, that you can engage with multiple mm -hmm. people on the working group. Um, but if we move tables, that means that somebody who might have previously chosen not to sit with a police officer could then be faced with sitting with a police officer. Um, I find out he's a really nice guy. But that's not the purpose of the meeting. <laughs> it's, the purpose is to get them to open up to us. True, I get, what I get their issues are. I get that. I, I just, yeah. I just have this um, aversion to the notion of segregating people from people who make them uncomfortable because they don't really know them. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, I, I, I understand that. Um, Mine was a little bit different. Why not to be identified? 
um, typically when, um, especially if it's in a conversation about police, um, you tend to get asked questions and the point is not to ask questions. So what I find is if people will ask me questions about, so in this subject, I have a very intimate knowledge of it and you want, you want to be respectful and you want to answer people's questions, but it's not the format that we were being asked to do. So that's, yeah, thank you for sharing that concern. So, um, and that speaks to a couple of things. Um, one, we need to manage expectations with the community about what all of you are there to do. And one is to not explain what your work is or to weigh in on specific issues. You're also not there to explain everything about the police department as questions come. Um, although um, that might be a, a, a follow-up or some other conversation that comes out of this process, but this is to hear from the community. So we can manage some expectations. I'll give you another example. When I did this municipal court project, we had people who would, uh, who would show up to give feedback and they also just had questions about uh, court access or processes um, if they had a summons, for example, what to do. And so we had an informational table at the back. And so that was another question that I had is, would it be valuable or, or even preferred if we asked the PD to have an informational table somewhere in the back that's clearly separate from what we're all doing, but if the community had a particular question, they go there instead of to any of you and, and there. So I don't know, would, would that be useful, valuable? Yeah, are we going to have um, identifiers? Like I, I missed a little bit. Are we, um, to go backwards a little bit, are we going to be like, introducing ourselves and who we are to the each person that comes to the table? Well, we have the idea of, of name tags. Um, okay. And at the beginning, you know, do you want to just all stand up and we just acknowledge that you're the work group members? Um, I think that that's appropriate for this kind of thing. I mean, if the purpose is for people to come to speak with the working group and we're hosting it, then they should know who we are and our purpose. Mm -hmm. And then having an introduction statement, it very brief, just this is why we're here, this is what we're doing. And in order to do that, the folks that just waved at you are not going to be able to answer questions. We're largely here to, to listen and to ask your questions mm -hmm. so that then we've set the expectation in the room kind of like in the classroom so then if they ask questions we can say sorry I'm, I'm not really able to answer it I'll write it down and get back to you later if you'd like but I, I can't engage in that way in the settings yeah I think we'd also make it very clear that no one is being forced to talk to anyone so if, right. if that introduction anybody in the community does not have to sit at a table it's not necessary they don't have to sit with anyone that they don't feel comfortable sitting with. So I don't, I, I didn't understand the earlier kind of debate. Yeah, so so we could, so people get to choose their own seat. We could just say, because um, I think there is value in having you rotate um, if, if, you, if you would like to, but I think we need to give people permission at the very beginning that they also can rotate if they chose to as well. Um, but, um, but I, I don't, I, I understand the concerns. There's multiple ways we can address that. So 
I mean, we're, we're there to listen, so they'll know yeah. that as well. So, yeah. You, know. um, you have one other thing. I don't, I'm not sure if I addressed it. Did I cover everything? Other questions? I mean, I think we need to determine what we're doing. Yeah. Um, like, we, there's not another meeting that we can push this to and be like, oh, let's determine it then. So name tags? It's like, if we need to vote, we need to vote, or if we can just agree. Well, let's, let me replay what, what we discussed so far. So you all are interspersed throughout, um, either one or two of you at each table, depending on how many tables we need. It's communicated up front that you um, are on the work group and what your relative role is on the work group, community member, CPRB member, or police department employee, and that you are there to listen, not to answer questions, and not to debate issues or explain your position on something. You're there to learn. Each table will have a scribe that is not you, that's capturing all the input that's heard, that you have the option to rotate to another table after a set of questions, if you if you wish to do that, um, so that you have the opportunity to hear from other people. Um, and what else? Logistically, how would we do that? Would there be certain points of, you know, in time when yeah. if you want to rotate, now is the time. Yeah. So wrap up your questions. So, yeah. So this is a a, a logistics piece. So. Um, I'll indicate when we're ready to switch to the next question. Each question will be numbered, they'll be color-coded, and so it'll be very obvious and every table will switch at the same time. And you have to do that, otherwise certain tables will never get through all the questions. So that it'll be really obvious when the, when the switch will occur. Um, and we need to get into our questions. So um, let me just hit a couple other logistics things here. Um, I mentioned food and drink. Um, we start at six, we need to open the door at 5.30 for food. I'm thinking we probably need to have earlier. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, each table will have some kind of, uh, we'll have a facilitator cheat sheet, if you will, of, of how to get people settled in and the instructions to give everybody and all that um, as they go. Um, any other logistics questions? A um, couple of things that were asked last time. Um, interpreter. Um, I I don't have the answer on that yet, so I need to find out about that. Usually we ask people to contact us if they need those accommodations in advance. So oh, okay. we can put out materials, advertising meetings. You okay. provide a contact information and say if you need accommodations. To and how many languages? Um, we haven't had anyone pick this up on that request. Well, put it out in English and they only speak Spanish. They're not going to ask for an interpreter. Fair point. Yeah. I don't believe that's what we do, but I think we put it out in English and Spanish when, they, when we've asked that. But. Yeah, I've got that on my on my notes because I usually have a bilingual facilitator. But a sign language? And sign language, I think what you're saying is it's uh, as requested. That's what we have done. Okay. Yeah, so I so we'll, I think we'll have to communicate it like that. Um 
I work in some communities where they just automatically have someone already um, hired on to sign, but that's because, you know, like in Olathe, right. there's a large community there with the school. So they just know that there's always going to be people there. So, okay. Um, any other logistics questions? All right, I want to pivot to the actual question. So um, get up, stretch your legs, do what you need to do real quick. And then we're going to talk about some specific questions that we want to ask and themes. Okay, thank you. I can just see taking this to me. Okay, welcome back. Thank you. Um, all right, we've covered some important territory, and now we need to get into the actual discussion questions. So, um, yes. I I know you want to do this real fast, but like we have confirmation from the city that they're going to help advertise this. Okay, yeah, let's talk about um, some outreach things real quick. And then before we break, we're also going to talk about individually what we can each be doing to do outreach. So um, the city will, um, I've talked to, to uh, the city about this and the, the community engagement. Uh, folks. Um, so a few things. All of this, um, our information is is going to be uploaded in all notes and everything housed in the community portal. And I want to take some of the language that we've got to give that to the city so that there's some consistent messaging throughout all this on the community portal. Um, social media, we have, we'll have access to that or the city staff will push out this through their social media platforms. We also will do a press release to the local papers in advance of these events so the community is aware of this. These obviously are open meetings and so the agenda and all that is also posted as, as normally would be. But more importantly, um, we're gonna need to produce like some kind of a flyer with basic information to put in your hands so that you can hand those out and distribute those as needed. Uh, a couple of um, other ideas that were raised last time um, at the tail end of our meeting on June 5th was the question of, can we take out an ad in the papers to promote this? The answer is yes. And the answer is yes. Awesome. In Lawrence Times and LJ World? You got it. Cool. Yep. Okay. And so the city's going to to uh, pay for ads to, to advertise this? Well, I, I would say not just flyers, but like posters at places like the library and, you know, grocery stores. Yeah. Grocery stores. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I'll place on mass and be willing to put a flyer like that. Uh, I know this seems like an excuse, but who, we don't have folks that are like, waiting around for us to say, go hand out these flyers at grocery stores. <laughs> like we don't, so, so we would. is that something that you all can help us with? Like I'm not, it's not that I don't think it's a good idea, but we don't. So if we produce flyers and if we do posters, it will be on us to get them out into the community and ask a business. Um, we, if there's any guidance that we need from the city, we'll get that, but it would be up, up to us to distribute them. And I happen to work on uh, specialty court. One of the requirements is community service. Okay. 
hung up head up ladders too. Might be able to get somebody who needs to put in some time. Something like that. I don't know what that the, lovely. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I don't know what the parameters are for that. If that sounds great. Okay. Um, so what we what we'll do is we need to to get these to all of you and then say go forth and get it out there. Um, I would say advertise that we're providing food. Yes. That's, yeah. That's okay. Food provided. Yes. That's that gives people there. Will the flyer have both dates so that it won't need to be refired? Right. So that's that's a good question. Um. Yeah. Yes. So it wouldn't need to be. And. Because these are iterative, they'll build on each other. I just want to make sure that we don't communicate, um, hey, you know, you've got two options for this. People can show up only on July 31st if they want. And there's always like those, let me wait and see folks that don't come to the first one and they wait to see how it played out. And then they show up at the second. Um, oftentimes they actually build in a big second one bigger. <laughs> If, if we do a good job the first time around. Um, so we'll put both dates on there, um, but we'll also make clear that there's a difference between, between the two. Okay. Now to the issue that um, Monday six to eight isn't gonna work for some folks. Um, let's talk about that. Do we need a, a questionnaire with the same questions? that we can put in your hands and that you can reach people that we can email out. We can do it in the form of a survey. Google form. I think a link on the city website yeah. and put it on the flyer as well. Hand attend, check out. This link. This link. And then have the questions that would be at the first one there. And then sometime between the first and the second, switch your Google form. Mm -hmm. So that the link goes to the second one rather than to the first one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and I know that that's been done on that's easily done through the portal as part of. Um, okay. So we can and do that as directing well. them to the city's portal. Mm -hmm. That would then. Well, the city has a, a survey platform that we used. It's not a Google-based product. So would it be best for us? Just to give you the question. Subscribing. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And just, just a place for people to be like, here are my thoughts. Okay, we have already on the portal of feedback where people can submit feedback, but that's just a generic open box. You, yeah, we need a specific. Okay. And so what we're talking about is like the exact same six questions, for example, that would be asked in the conversation would be asked. Okay. Would be asked through that. Okay. Um, all right, does that address those concerns? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been addressed okay. by concerns. Okay, and so we would do, um, we're promoting this as it's an in-person event, so it won't be something that you can participate in through Zoom. You can observe, but you wouldn't be able to participate. But if you can't be there in person or choose not to be in person, you can complete the survey. Yes. Okay, that's good. We're good to pass. Okay. All right, very good. Um, I'm going to ask you right at the end, so be thinking about how you'll reach your neighbors 
um, what groups you belong to or participate in that you could get flyers in front of. I'm sorry, did you say that the city was going to post on Facebook? Yeah, they'll do their social media platforms. Yeah. I don't like the city. <laughs> Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. Um, and um, be thinking about what groups that you're you affiliate with, what crowds you run in, people that have a vested interest in this, that you can help get the word out. You know, it takes a lot to get people to show up to things. So um, it takes everybody's effort. And a challenge to you is um, my challenge to you to each of you is invite five people personally. Um, and be thoughtful about getting folks there. Okay, so let's talk about questions. So you all have, at our last meeting, I asked you to identify some questions, and these are in your notes. Um, I played around with those and came up with some slightly different um, variations on those that I want to get your reaction to. And when for the 10th, we will have um, we'll have specific questions. It's all sequenced and there'll be a um, you know, I develop a facilitator's plan so I know how much time to allocate for each question. Um, but I want to talk about some broader themes and some broader questions. One of the things that I observed at our last meeting when I asked you to come up with questions, which is what I anticipated, but it played out pretty clearly, is that some of your questions that you want to get answered are very, very specific to the complaint process and what I would represent as process improvements to the complaint process. So, um, and then when we talk about some of, like, some of them that you articulated today, and when you went through the list, say these are the kinds of things we want to learn. So those are very specific learnings where we can learn about the user experience or the public's experience when they want to um, file a complaint or how that's been processed in the past. So there's a whole series of questions that are very specific that we'll want to get to through this process. My, my sense of this work and my experience is that that level of question is really important to ask in two settings. One, for people who have already experienced it and have that experience that they can reflect on to answer that. Um, it's also really important later in the process as you begin to build out some ideas and you want to get feedback from the public about it, where it can be problematic to ask very specific questions at the beginning is that you run the risk of excluding people who either never filed a complaint or it's just too detailed for them to kind of wrap their head around the big terms. So my, um, what I put in front of you on the agenda today that I want to get your reactions to, my recommendation is that we ask a couple of questions more globally about community. Um, well, let me just highlight a few of these, okay? And then um, talk about how July 10th questions we learn something, we modify, and then we ask follow-up questions July 31st that drill down more deeply. That's that's the, the logic behind it. But the first question um, 
A there as an option. What is important to you about community police relations that you want to make sure the work group knows and understands? What is important to you about community police relations that you want to make sure the work group knows and understands? The idea behind asking a broad question like that is that for people who feel strongly about community police relations, that throws a pretty wide net and there's, there's a pro and con that, to that. But if I feel strongly about these issues, I'm gonna be more likely to show up at a community conversation if I've got the opportunity to talk about what I wanna talk about relatively I. Whereas if the invite comes from a very specific question about the complaint process that I've never experienced before, it might be harder for me to connect. Okay, that's, that's the, the logic behind it. Um, it also, when you ask questions early in a process, my experience is that it's important to ask why questions. Why is this important to you? Those broader questions, because you get at a context. Then you ask, later you ask questions like how, and you start to get into um, how you can do certain things or, or solutions. You start to ask people's reactions to specific solutions. But if you start asking about solutions or um, uh, improvements to solutions at the beginning, it narrows the discussion considerably and you never get at some of the, the, the meat of it. Yeah. My one um, concern uh -huh. with the four questions that you listed here is our time as it's a two hour meeting, which, you know, will lose about five to 10 minutes for people getting settled in and doing the introductory. So now we're down to an hour and 50 minutes. And then the time it takes to rotate chairs between questions, that's another eight minutes there. So now we're down to an hour and 42 minutes for these questions. Plus I assume we'll get a 10 minute break, half between. So, we're now down to an hour and a half for these four questions. Um, if we've got seven people at a table, we're talking about less than two minutes to answer some pretty broad questions. Is it possible to make them more specific to the Lawrence community or within? So what is important to you about community police relations that wants you to make sure the work group knows and understands? That's a pretty broad question. Um, and I think that some of the emails that we've received um, lead me to believe that there might be some answers that are more than four minutes per person at a table. And that is a conservative six people at a table. It could be, I mean, these are what, eight foot rounds. We could have eight people at a table. We could have nine people at a table. Um, I'm just concerned that the way that they're worded as broadly as they are might need a bit more tightening up in light of time. Yeah, that's great, great questions. And um, can you offer up, so I heard a couple of things in there how we might narrow it. Um, and that's exactly the kind of feedback one gets. Um, And a really good exercise when you're formulating questions is to just think 
what are all the range of possible answers you might get from this. And you've, you get contacted by people who spend hours and hours and hours thinking of this, and they'll talk for hours and hours and hours. Um, we will set some parameters so that people understand that we've got um, 15 minutes for this next question to get through all six of you. And so the facilitator will prompt them to say, that gives you about you know, two, three minutes each. So they'll get that up, up front. They also have the opportunity to ask follow-up questions too. So there is a pacing to it. Um, and um, my, my experience with this is that you cover far more than you might anticipate when you pose questions in that way, when they know that they only have that amount of time to respond. And also each person is gonna get six questions times three, 18 minutes to talk through the course of the evening. I just think that um, we should make it specific to our community. Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing I heard. So we need to include, say, in Lawrence, in any question that we ask. Anything that's open-ended where I mean, we're not talking about the specific details about the complaint process, mm -hmm. we should be asking for a Lorenzian perspective. Okay. Yeah. And making it clear because a lot of us have experiences here and outside. Um, and that doesn't mean that our outside experiences aren't valid, um, but we don't have time to talk about policing in America. Mm -hmm. We're talking specifically about this community. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, other reactions to the questions? Kudos to Jacqueline on that, because as we, and I can speak for myself, have migrated to the Midwest from the East. So it is vitally important for those that are Laurentians, because Laurentians feel so different than those of us that have migrated here to their city. So it's vitally important that they understand Lawrence and not New York. And I think that that's, those are the kinds of like broader learnings that we want to get from this first conversation that are really hard to get to if you only focus on the complaint process, for example, because there's a context that people are responding, responding from um, and it's a way to begin to understand that. But also what will be interesting is that people hear about a, a, an unfortunate thing that happened in a community on the news and invariably they wonder, you know, does it happen here or I haven't heard about it here? Or they filter that through. How do you begin to tease apart that? And then I'm sure there's examples where people say, well, that's never happened in Lawrence. And then we just assume that there aren't any problems because that's never happened in Lawrence. And then we, we overlook or we ignore a set of problems that we might need to talk about. And so I don't know what that looks like, but those are the kinds, those are the reasons why you ask questions like this to give people opportunities to talk about what's important. Other reactions, comments on this. The second question is was kind of my my first 
first attempt at a broader question, but that starts to get us to the complaint process. I, again, with B, and I apologize if somebody else was going to say, what will give you confidence that your complaint is taken seriously? I, I understand why it was written in that way, but I don't think it got the essence of the question that led to it, um, which is um, if you didn't submit a complaint but wanted to, what was the barrier? Um, because sometimes not submitting a complaint isn't that it's not gonna be taken seriously, but that you don't have the drive or the power to engage in the system about that issue again. So what are we doing? This is not the question, but in general, what are we doing to make sure that the practice is low barrier and accessible? Like mm -hmm. what, what are the barriers that you have to this? Not what's gonna happen once you do it, but what's preventing you from being able to express your needs? So in, I'm, I'm with you on that. And in my brain, this is why this is really helpful. In my brain, I was thinking of a, a very similar question to what you just uh, posed in our second conversation as, as the July 31st version before we start drilling even further down. Well, then maybe I, I wouldn't use taken seriously. So what will give you confidence in the process? Okay. Um, if if that barrier question is a July 31st question versus then the open-ended question for the 10th would be, what is your faith in the process? Okay, yeah, that's great, that's great. Okay, other comments, feedback? Um, Anything that you think really needs to be asked that you're not seeing here? I think on C, instead of what do we need to do to create transparency and trustworthy process, reframe it to what does transparency, what does a transparent and trustworthy process look like? Okay, yeah, I like that. I was um, trying to riff off of the what you came up with last week and those two phrases popped out and that was my first attempt, but I like how you word that. Um, that's a better way to word that. Okay. And usually we'll ask one kind of softball question to just get people warmed up. Um, and we'll do kind of a, it's not an icebreaker per se, but it's, it's just get people comfortable with the process and get the scribe and the facilitator kind of settled into their role and get people talking right away. Um, and the key to com good community dialogue is you've got to get people talking right off the bat. So that's why I'm loath to do like the 45 minute PowerPoint at the beginning and then you do Q&A because you lose all the energy in the room. So we'll do a few things like that and then I'll work out the sequencing. And then um, I will, um, do you want, I'll get the questions to you in advance. Um, do you want to weigh in on draft questions or you, what do you, what do you need to see before you show up on July 10th in terms of questions? Good with what we're working off of here. I feel like the edits we've made are sufficient and I think they will 
help to start a conversation. Who knows what's going to happen at each individual table? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But right. we do have permission to ask follow-up questions if the statement. So the scribe is not meant to do anything other than write what was said. Right. But if additional context is needed, we're allowed to ask follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that just real quickly. So clarifying questions are really important. And a clarifying question is something like, uh, explain what you mean by that or say more about that. Okay, that's that's the kind of clarifying question. What I want to caution you against and, and encourage you to avoid for this first conversation is to say, okay, so what if we were to do this with our complaint process? Um, and then weigh in on specific, we're not there yet. We, we need to have another conversation before we can do those kind of questions. So on your follow-ups, ask clarifying so that you can more fully understand where they're coming from, but refrain from proposing specific solutions or ideas, get the reaction. Because we'll start to do that at the July 31st. Okay, other questions? All right, um, you've got all the dates for future meetings here. Um, really quickly, do you have groups in mind that that you um, can reach out to um, individually in terms of your, your networks? Okay, do you want, is it useful to, for us to uh, identify specific groups together or you good with that? I think we can put based on each other's abilities to reach out to their groups. I think so. I think so. If you have questions or if you need any assistance on anything related to that, let me know. Um, what, what I will do is I'll send you an email as soon as I've got the language drafts and get some clarity on a couple of things from the city. And then um, I'll push to you the flyer with all the information that you need, and then you can take off from there. Um, we've got two weeks to get the word out, um, and um, and it takes a lot, you know. And you'll be surprised. Some people will be thrilled. Some people will ask a ton of questions. Um, some people will say, "Great, I'll fill out a survey," you know. But just get the word out because this is important, and it's going to really pay dividends for you when you start to weigh in on your recommendations and your draft documents later on. So, and it's just super interesting. These are important topics. This is our community. This is why you're on this work group. And this is why we're here. And we want people to be a part of all this so that we can do the good work. So how will we get the buyers? Well, I'll send them to you. Give it a mail. Yeah, I'll probably, in person, or well, we'll see. Yeah, okay. actually, let me just ask real quick do you all will you print your own or do you need card copies for me? You can give me hard copies. Yeah, like I don't, I don't yeah. unless you count the state of Kansas's printer, which I probably shouldn't use for yeah. this. Okay, I'll, I'll just assume that I need to get hard copies to you and we'll find Okay, um, this is really great work. Thank you. I appreciate this. If yes. I could have um, an electronic copy that I can forward by email to people, yes. that would be okay. Helpful. Okay. So we'll, I'll send you a PDF yeah. that you can send out as well. Um, 
Okay, if you're curious about any other kind of logistics things or you just fixate on stuff and you need to be reassured, reach out to me specifically for that. Um, and in the meantime, I'll be recruiting some scribes and facilitators and mapping out the supports for that and then fleshing out the rest of them. Good questions. Where we'll go from here is on July 17th, we will reconvene in this setting. We will be going through all the notes that we captured on July 10th. So it'll be quite a lot of information. You'll get that in advance of the meeting so you can start reading through it. We're gonna talk about what we learned whatever kind of aha moments, and if there's any concerns that popped up, we'll be addressing it then. Um, and then we'll look at what are some of the follow-up questions that we'll wanna ask in July 31st to build on. We're also gonna ask the PD to do a um, overview of the current complaint process and do a presentation for our sake. And then we're gonna marry up what that process is and anything that you all learned from the first community conversation and then begin to do our mapping of what the process currently is and start to talk about some process improvement um, pieces. And from that, we will likely generate some additional questions that we'd like to pose to the community on July 31st about um, the user experience of the complaint process. So that's the that's the logic and the architecture for building on that um, as we go. So, um, and you've already given us some good input on what you wanted to hear about the complaint process, and uh, so we'll we'll point uh, on that for the seventeenth. And then after the thirty first, our next meeting will debrief again what we've learned, and then at that point you will already have. A number of resources in front of you, and we'll start talking about what we need to see or what you're wanting to put into the um, draft recommendations. And that gives us several meetings to work through some drafts, collect some additional feedback, put something out to the public to get some other feedback, and then uh, present it uh, to this commission at the end of August. All right, any questions? A lot. Thank you. Appreciate it. I will see you on July 10th. And uh, email me if any questions before and then otherwise look for PDF, flyer, and a whole bunch of information about the um, July 10th. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's more pizza there. Help yourself before you go. Take a bite. <laughs>